Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Way Niagara Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Burda. Hey, Jordan, you ever been bugged by a fly? Yes. There is one in the studio right now that I would love to hit. He's having a hard time, folks, not getting it. It keeps trying to fly into my mouth as I'm talking. <laughs> I actually kind of want to see it. <laughs> but you know what's funny? It made me think about all of the things that are pesky. Do you ever have you ever have something like a pest in your life, Jordan? <laughs> Absolutely. Is it me? <laughs> Depends on the day. Yeah, I guess. Eh? Depends what I'm bugging you to do. But I, 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 I worry frequently about pests, pestilence. There's, it just seems like this season there's more flies and there's more mosquitoes and there's more earwigs. And my daughter, Rylan, uh, she will wake up in the middle of the night because she senses a earwig crawling on the wall of her bedroom. And she will come into my room and wake me up so that I can kill that earwig. And now, she sleeps in the pitch black. But she knows that it's there. And she has this little pest, you know, waking her up. I don't know how. Autism is a superpower. But she senses that that sucker's there. And I have to go in there and take care of it. And then the next morning, she's like, Dad, can we build earwig traps? Can we we got to take care of the problem. And it got me thinking. How many things that are kind of pesky, a little bit of pestilence in our life, do we ignore versus how many of those things just dominate our thinking? How many just little things that, you know, they're insignificant in a way. You know, that earwig wants to mean no harm to her. I'm sure that this fly does not want to be eaten by me as much as it's tried to get in my mouth. How many things have you experienced recently, Jordan, that perhaps are distraction or that you've hyper-focused on that you could let go? And how many of those things are you like, this needs to change, so I got to get out there and build a trap for? What are something that you experience as a human being that might be situational that is pesky to you? I think there's things all the time, right? And even with just the high level of anxiety that I've dealt with over the years, it could be the smallest thing, Mm -hmm. some of which wouldn't be appropriate to share on the podcast, where it's like, this is driving me absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. And I can't think about anything else, but yet somehow I'm existing in the world and it's like, I'm not physically sick and unable to work or unable to do this or that but it's like my mind isn't there Mm. like actually just this morning i woke up just in a weird phrase like or in in a weird state of mind and i you know that that phrase that says um you know i woke up on the wrong side of the bed yeah did you literally no but what i said to (laughs) what i said to my grandfather this morning is i think i woke up on the wrong side of my brain because like everything was misfiring in like the first half hour. Right. Yeah, and then that. it just took some healthy some things to, oh no, <laughs> no, no, no. Should I tell the story yeah. about the first time I drank coffee? Okay. Absolutely. So 
I had undiagnosed anxiety for most of my life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in grade seven and I'm on a, on a school trip. And there was this one kid that just drove me crazy. Always and pests. bully, pest, whatever. And I had my first cup of coffee in the oh. hotel room with this kid. Oh. And he just wouldn't leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Let's just say many things were thrown at him by me and i almost ended up going home oh my that so that was my first time drinking coffee <laughs> oh man so all the teachers listening you know what kid jordan was right you're picturing this guy <laughs> right now i know kara is yeah exactly but i guess the question is is how do we you know appropriately and healthfully deal with those mm-hmm. those things because like you said sometimes it is a good thing that we, like it is the thing that we actually need to address mm-hmm. immediately. Sometimes it's a thing that's good to address, but not yet. Mm-hmm. And then also, or it's a thing that needs to just be pushed to the side. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, especially dealing with anxiety or other other challenges, can make it hard to distinguish which of those three categories. Yeah that thing is yeah like this uh, like how do you find that with a with add like you're you're tr- you have all these things that could potentially get your attention like yeah. you probably are thinking more about that fly than me right now so yeah, how are definitely. you focusing to be able to even record well i mean the fly right currently is not bugging me but as soon as he's back i'm sure i'll be talking about it but this is a crazy thing about ADHD and, and my particular uh, way that my brain functions is that uh, I, I can quickly flip to a whole different uh, pest or change the channel or change the subject very quickly. Um, and I can actually shelf that fly and then come back to it. And then, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Like Kara always says, I have trouble closing my tasks. Like I'll start a project and then oh, I need to go pick up a screwdriver. And then on my way to picking up a screwdriver, I find a new project that I start. And then I have an unfinished project in one room and I'm starting another project. And she's like, what is going on in this house? And uh, I'm a little bit of a piler. I like to, you know, store things in a pile until I'm ready to sort them. She does not handle it that way. So talking about pests, I guess I'm wired a little differently where I see the pest and I deal with it. And then when it's just out of my... My, my focus then I can move on and I think we can get like that as humans where um, there's something that we should do or something that's like a nagging task and then it's like well once it's not in our view we can put it off and I guess we can do that with our spiritual health and our spiritual life um, a lot more frequently but not that our spiritual life is a pest but the idea of actually pausing to focus on it um I think is something that we need to get better at. I need to get better at because I can let all the other pests distract me. And um, I think the idea of the pest is it's just, it's, it's a slight inconvenience, right? But also uh, it's just there, right? It's not like the fly's not trying to ruin my day. It's just, he's, he's just trying to survive. And so I want to make sure that our listeners uh, recognize that, you know, there are things in our lives that are pesky, that are pests, that are distractions, 
there are things in our lives that are important. And the difference between uh, a ritual or um, a devotion is, is the ability to take away the, the pests. Like when I calmly focus on listening to a podcast that's good for my spiritual health, it's formative or whatever, I can be so into that podcast that, that the distractions around me uh, don't matter. And I can put down the things that have been bugging me in those moments, like it's almost disarming. And then uh, I also find that if I'm listening to a podcast that isn't specifically of spiritual importance, it's different. It, it can get distracting. It, it, it itself can be, um, be turned into noise because of all the pesky distractions around me. Whereas if I'm engaging in a spiritual podcast or even if I'm doing my devotions or I'm prepping for a sermon, um, I find that like it's easy to focus on the godly things because my soul craves those things. And so I want to make sure that we are building a people that crave spiritual things and that are able to put aside the pesky things and the distractions and bring joy to the community around us. That's really good. Yeah. When we started this, I was not sure where this was going. Yeah. Talking about a fly. Well, we did it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that because when we talk about real life, yeah. there are so many connections Mm-hmm. to even what seems like a small insignificant thing can actually have just big implications and i just i enjoy the fact that he's distracted by noise in the house right now <laughs> while we're talking about distractions yeah. so again it's all a part of life and it's all a part of the conversation and so we are so glad that you have tuned into the way niagara podcast we will be back with our conversation on the book of james right after this At Way Niagara, we are passionate about relationships. And one of the best ways to cultivate great relationships is through small groups. And so in the fall here of 2023, Way is excited to have a couple different groups going on. We have talked before about our wellness groups that are Thursday nights at the West Lincoln Community Center. And we hope that you would join us for that. But we also have a monthly men's group and we have a weekly Thursday morning Bible study group. So to learn more about any of these different groups that we have now or groups that will come up in the future, go to wayniagara.ca. Welcome back to our conversation through the book of James. Chris is going to continue where we left off last time. And so if you haven't listened to our previous conversation, I encourage you to go back to last week. But Chris, take it away. We were just talking about, you know, the surging sea being like the buffeting back and forth of people's thinking. And that leads us into verse 7 that says, The person, that person being the person who is a doubter that is tossed back and forth, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. 
being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. That person, the person who is not mature, complete, no endurance, and is full of doubt, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. It's kind of a hard thought, no? Yeah, and this is something I've talked to Chris about before, where uh, the part that stood out to me going through this, other in verse 7 specifically, it says a person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. I, I really want to point out that this isn't saying God does anything negative if you don't. God's not going to make your family members sick or, you know, make you lose all your money because you aren't doing this. Uh, this is talking about God's not going to be giving you that wisdom. Hmm. That's what he's talking about here. Yeah, that makes it hard, right? Have you ever, like, vacillated on something like that? Where you're like, oh, I don't know if I should or shouldn't do this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't think that's what this is talking about. No. I think you're supposed to, you know, test things. You're supposed to ask, like, for wisdom, for guidance. Like, oh, should I t accept this job offer? You know, or should should we do this thing, move into this potential ministry? And I think we've talked about this idea before that, like, sometimes you have peace about something and sometimes the lack of peace is the answer. And yes. That is not what this is talking about no. this is talking about like just pure reckless doubt like a lingering doubt and i think um you know in verse 8 it's saying being double-minded and unstable in all his ways it's classifying how that person's um expressions are to other people like you, you'll know those people, and I'm thinking as I'm as I'm pointing that out that you're recognizing the double-minded people, the unstable people that maybe you've experienced. Like, have you ever had a person that you just like know? Like, sometimes their yes is a no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you ever had a person that like you're not sure if that promise is good because there's a very good chance they're gonna let you down. Yeah, absolutely. And then you like you start to look at how unstable other things are in their life. And that can be very frustrating. Yeah, I find it interesting he specifically says unstable in all his ways. Mm -hmm. It's not saying in one or two things. This is a lifestyle. Yeah, that's right. It's like a lifestyle of doubt. But like even deeper than that, it's not just the doubt. It's the, the double-mindedness and unstableness. Mm-hmm. And when I think of the word, like, I understand double-minded, it's pretty clear. But the unstable. You know, we're surrounded by people who are very good at putting on a show. And, like, showing everybody, look it, I'm stable. I have a house, and I have a job, and I have a car. But God doesn't care. I mean, he cares, but God doesn't look at those things. Those earthly treasures is a sign of stability, Right? This goes back to our thoughts on consumerism, but you know, he, he sees the heart. Yeah. Right. An unstable heart is reckless in all its ways. Yeah. I think it's addressed a few times where like 
rebellion is his witch is his witchcraft you know hmm. there's like a a looming darkness associated with with being almost like a turncoat to your faith but you, then you look at peter right man he had some doubt thomas had some doubt but they turned it around found stability wisdom strength maturity this is talking about a person who's not willing to do that yeah this is talking about living in doubt yeah because they're not allowing the conviction and the leading of the spirit at that point that's right isn't that crazy mm -hmm. i feel like i encounter this actually a lot hmm. having conversations with people that are constantly being led consistently being led into truth hmm. on certain issues yep but they're completely stuck and it doesn't matter how many times you repeat yourself or pray about it it doesn't seem to change mm -hmm. and i don't always know why that is but there is something i think within people and this this can apply to all of us in certain areas where there is just some kind of guard that we're not willing to move past yeah. whether it's maybe it's a hurt in a certain area or a fear that's really deep hmm. that is actually not allowing the truth mm -hmm. and not allowing the spirit to penetrate that area and it causes it can cause the rest of your life to unravel mm -hmm. if you are not going to allow the spirit to bring you stability interesting that's very interesting right we we take so much for granted the wisdom and experience uh, the 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 endurance producing experience that we commonly have at this table um, of experiencing ups and downs in the church world. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that if you're listening to this, that you are hearing that we desire for you to be full of endurance, to be full of joy, to find maturity and completion in your life. And we also, we pray that you would find the wisdom to toss aside a double-mindedness and unstable thinking. It's hard. And so let me read this whole block. It says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sister, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Now we dive into verse 9. And James starts with this, let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation. What does that mean? 
Let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation. This has been confusing for people. But uh, the best uh, concordances and commentaries I've read on this say that James is referencing himself here. Mm. The brother of Jesus, of humble circumstances, boasts in his exaltation. James is given special privilege in the church to speak to the church because of his humble beginnings. The brother of humble circumstances. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I actually, weirdest thing that I pulled out of it, I forgot to go through the background on the word exaltation, but uh, specifically that he says brother of humble circumstances. I find it really interesting. That's the words he chooses to use instead of poor. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting that someone who had like a a very poor upbringing, <clears throat> a very humble start, feels like he can speak on endurance. And I believe he can. You know, learning to survive with less. So the humble circumstances coming from a position of poverty... Boasting in exaltation. And James then turns his idea to this. But let the rich boast in his humiliation. Because he will pass away like a flower of the field. (laughs) I've heard people talk about the idea of, you know, poverty being a virtue of the church. And that the rich have no place. You know, Jesus even said it's hard for a rich man to get into heaven. It's almost as hard as it is for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. You think about that, right? It's pretty wild. And then here you hear James again, kind of echoing his brother's thoughts of let the rich boast in their humiliation. Because he'll pass away like the flower of the field. No, it's it's not... Deming of wealth is what you have to take away from this. It's putting on a facade of like being better than others. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, having wealth makes you more powerful and more special, more betterer, as uh, my children would say. But instead, James frames it as that boasting boasting in your worldly wealth or boasting in your worldly possessions is actually humiliation because it's all going to just perish real quick like the flower of a field it really gives you a perspective on what that church society was like the culture of the time that like the the wealthy were elevated in power and in status and then they would boast it and I think You'll see throughout the Gospels, throughout the New Testament writing, constantly talking about, you know, wearing these beautiful robes and jewelry and all these different things to church just to kind of show off your wealth, um, being held as a, as a negative, right? Being that way is, is a negative from the New Testament church experience. So... We're to look upon the wealth of 
the human spirit of the the wealth of you know that endurance that joy that maturity and give those things value that is true wisdom rather than dressing up and looking good and trying to put on a good act put on a good mask as uh, Steve says masking is a is a real thing here in our culture what do you think Steve yeah the first thing that comes to my mind is actually thinking of um, the eating situation at parties in New Testament times probably Old Testament times too but uh, especially in the Jewish faith you'd want to sit with people that are more powerful than you You'd want to sit with the teachers that are the elders, the more experienced ones from the synagogue, the people that, you know, people are going to be looking at them and they'll see you with them. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing with the rich is let them boast about that. Yeah. Let them boast all they want about that. But mm. this all passes away like a flower in the field. Mm -hmm. It's not going to last. It will be trampled. It will be dead. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've experienced that in our church context of where we're at these days, even like people that only want to go to the church small group where the pastor is, mm -hmm. right? Oh, that pastor so-and-so is at that small group. That's the one I want to be in, right? Yep. It's like being around what you believe is power and excellence that you're somehow going to be looked upon as is powerful and excellent by others, right? And James is very much tearing that apart, saying, show these things in yourself because you're, you're double-minded and unstable otherwise. Mm. And you will be humiliated <laughs> when people get a sense of your true character. Isn't that wild? Yeah. You know, and I've seen it time and time again in people, right? So, I, uh, I encourage the listener who is hearing some of this for the first time, or maybe processing it for the first time, just recognize, like, you have so much value and are equally as qualified by the Spirit of God to stand up and testify of the goodness and righteousness and grace of Jesus Christ that you do not need to be rubbing shoulders with the elite leaders and pastors out there you just need to be faithful with what God has given you and wherever you are called to serve serve with excellence and chase after completion. It's incredible. Yeah, the only note I had on this section that you triggered in my head as soon as you said that. I triggered Steve. Yeah, in a good way. <laughs> um, so it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. You have nothing to boast about that's not from God. And you are equals before God. Hmm. Yeah. Jordan, what do you think on that? It's hard sometimes yep. because we live in a world where people look at a pecking order. Mm -hmm. They look at status. Yep. 
And they're like, oh, well, you know, if you're with that person, I really want to be around you. But if, oh, no, 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 but, you know, you're hanging out with mm-hmm. so-and-so. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid that. Mm-hmm. And that can be a challenge, too, because I think we all seem to want, like, we all need some form of affirmation and, and approval yep. in our lives. And so oftentimes it is very tempting to go to the most powerful person in the room, mm-hmm. to go to the person whose affirmation may appear to have the most value. Mm-hmm. But then I think of what Jesus says is that, you know, whoever serves the least of these yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. is serving me. And, and so we need to really turn those things on our heads. Like what would happen? Like, and, I, and I've been guilty of this. You know, talking to someone and then seeing someone influential or something and just kind of trying to get away from that conversation really quickly so I can move over. Oh, yeah. But what would happen yeah. if our attitudes and our perspectives would change to the point that we would actually leave the powerful, influential person to go walk over and talk to the homeless person? Yeah, that would be... What would that look like? An incredible statement, right? And, and that's... But that's a countercultural thing. Yeah. Like that's something that, you know, we need the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to lead us in because, yeah, we want that affirmation. We want to feel like we're, you know, in the room with the important mm-hmm. people. But I think about all those scriptures that talk about like not inviting only the rich to mm-hmm. your party that can pay you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But trying to set, you know, invite those that could never yep. pay you back. Yeah. No, verse 11 and 12 kind of puts this all to rest and says, For the sun rises, and together with the scorching wind dries up the grass, its flowers fall, and its beautiful appearance perishes. In the same way, the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. Oof. Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I absolutely love that verse. Blessed is the one who endures trials. You know, he took all this time qualifying trials and talking about faith, talking about building endurance, and he wraps it up with, because when you stood the test and stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive the crown of life that God himself has promised to those who love him. Imagine that day, uh, my faith stood up. My faith stood up. And I believed in you to the last, regardless of circumstances, regardless of my worth, worth here on earth. And when you stand before Christ at the end, to receive that crown of life that God promises to us. Man. It's it's super exciting. Oh yeah, if I had an office, I'd want that about my door. Yeah. James, man, he just throws some goodies in here. Yeah. And you can really feel the Proverbs-like toning. You know, talking about the blessed are the ones who look like this or let the foolish look like this. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's totally all laid out in this. And so Chuck Schwindel was right. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Quoted that in the first episode. Like, you know, 
James is a is a well dressed for New Testament times Proverbs. You know, the tone is the same, the the conversations are the same. But blessed is the one who endures the trials. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I find it interesting, the wording, because it makes it not optional to endure trials. Yep. It's going to happen. Yep. It's up to you whether you want to endure them or give in to them That's or right. walk away from them. Yeah. Verse 13 says, No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. Mm. Interesting. I have heard people say that. Yeah, God's tempting me. Mm -hmm. This trial is from God. This mm -hmm. addiction that I'm battling is keeping me humble. You heard that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. What a lie we believe sometimes. It's hard to sometimes have a conversation about this because it can sound very prosperity gospel-like mm -hmm. yeah. when we yeah. say that, that's, like, that God isn't the one that's giving us our trials. But I'm also not saying that... God is giving you everything you ask for either in a nice little bow on your front door. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes we attribute, we have a misunderstanding of where to attribute the source of things. Yep. Yeah. And in so, but the fact of the matter is, however, the trial comes to you, mm -hmm. God wants to build up your endurance. And God wants to work in you, regardless of how the trial came to you. And I say that meaning whether it was something that the enemy did or that somebody else did, or that our own stupidity brings upon us. Because sometimes mm. that sometimes we are the source of our trials. Yeah. Well, in fact, verse 14 says that. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Whose evil desires? My own evil desires says then after desire is conceived it gives birth to sin and when sin is fully grown it gives birth to death oh ouch i do have a note on the word desire here bring it because on because i wanted to know what is james talking about with desire is he talking about my kind of wants you know i really want this new video game and i can't afford it uh he's talking deep he's talking the word means lure or to be baited like we're talking fishing terms or hunting terms, trying to bring it in and catch it. Mm. That's the kind of desire. It's deep. Each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Do you think sometimes we lure ourselves into situations that are dangerous and harmful to us because we believe that it's going to make us feel better? Mm -hmm. You just described most of my college life. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I once had someone, because they were doing something that wasn't very wise. Yeah. And they knew it. Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, well, I'm just temporarily no. dealing. I'm temporarily doing things in this unwise way 
until I'm able to do it the right way. Or, mm. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah. But this, sometimes people misunderstand the verse that talks about God giving you the desires of your heart. Mm. And I actually think that when it says, that's not, to me, that's not God fulfilling mm. every desire or luring that you ever have. It's actually God's spirit giving you the desire for the right things. That's right. Well, and I'd be interested to see if it's a different word for desire than the Greek word that James is using here. Hmm. Maybe it's not to, being the word. We're going to have to look at that. Yeah. Because, yeah, the language, that does present an interesting question. But I have so many times people will ask me, why am I not giving, getting the desires of my heart? Because the yeah. Bible says I'll get the desires of my heart. And yeah. I have that conversation where it's like, no, no, that is not promising that you are going to get everything you want. Well, it says in 15 that after this desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. When sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. But what's the opposite of that is when God births a desire to do something in you, right? Not that the, your desire, this is God's desire, is birthed in you. When that is conceived, it gives birth to life, right? It, you build, you'll end up building something incredible. And like we've experienced a lot of that here around our way circles where people have these powerful visions that God has birthed in them. And that's, it's a desire that he has for them to do some work for his kingdom's sake. And it's so strong and so real. And when they get, when they do it, when they build it, when they start walking in it, man, you start to see life producing uh, fruit coming from those ministry opportunities. And I think that, you know, what we're talking about here in 14 and 15 right now is that the evil desire. And we, we almost, you could almost do a whole podcast talking about evil desire versus, you know, godly desire, how much evil in human nature might lead to desire things, but godly, uh, the, the spirit of God bursts a desire to do righteous things, right? Mm-hmm. And so I love the concept of surrendering your desires. Mm-hmm. And surrendering our desires can be a very, very difficult thing. But by God's grace and with God's presence, he can lead us into the desires that he has for us. And what I can say is that if you are living within the will of God, then you are blessed. And so if you want to talk over any of these things, feel free to email podcast at wayniagara.ca. And one of us would love to have a conversation with you. If you want to stay up to date on all of the things that are going on within Way, we encourage you to go to wayniagara.ca or join us on social media. Also, this podcast is now weekly. And so I encourage you to subscribe on your podcasting app of choice so that you never miss these conversations that we hope and pray are an encouragement and a blessing to you. So thank you so much for tuning in. Bye for now.